I doubt if many fully appreciate the scene of absolute horror that the Holy Spirit sets before us in this passage of Scripture tonight. The holy, harmless, undefiled Son of God, stripped naked, publicly humiliated, made a public spectacle of scorn, hanging in shame upon the cross of Calvary, upon that accursed middle tree, his body mutilated beyond recognition, his back plowed with the Roman whip, as the Lord Jesus Christ himself had predicted, prophesied and promised way back hundreds of years before the event actually took place historically in time. In that Psalm 129 verse 3, the Savior said, The plowers, the plowers plowed upon my back. They made long their furrows. Words that were fulfilled perfectly when the Roman soldiers, men, cruel men, trained men, skilled in torture, drew the lash again and again and again and again across the back of the Son of God, making long, long furrows, churning up the skin and the flesh, exposing the innards of the God-man. Indeed, many who suffered scourging died at the hands of these men. But the Lord Jesus Christ had to go the whole way to Calvary to hang upon that accursed tree to bear away your sin and mine. In frenzied hatred of the Lord Jesus Christ, they ripped the beard from off his cheeks. They spat in the very face of God, the creator of the universe, God the eternal Son, by whom all things were made, the one who was with his Father from before the foundation of the world in eternity, the eternal word, the eternal logos, the word who was made flesh to suffer, to shed his blood, and to die. They spat in the very face of God's holy child, Jesus, again fulfilling the prophetic scriptures where the Lord Jesus Christ himself tells us way back in the Old Testament in Isaiah 50 verse 6, I gave, I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame 
and spitting. The Lord Jesus Christ gave himself. He tells us in his word, No man taketh my life from me. I lay it down of myself. I have power, power to lay it down. And I have power to take it again. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. And while the Jews and the Gentiles, while the priests and Pontius Pilate, while these cruel men were certainly guilty and responsible for the death, the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, we must never lose sight of the absolute sovereignty of God, the sovereign grace of Jesus Christ. When he came into this world, To go as a lamb to the slaughter. He gave himself that day to be slaughtered, to be butchered by the hands of cruel men, to pay the price for your sin and for mine. Pilate gave the order, crucify him. And we read again where they took Jesus Christ out and they hammered those spikes into his hands and hammered those spikes into his feet. Again, as the Lord Jesus Christ himself had promised, as Christ himself had prophesied. Psalm 22, we were thinking this morning of this Psalm, my God, my God. Why? Why hast thou forsaken me? (coughs) And in that verse 16, the Lord Jesus Christ goes on to say, They pierced. They pierced my hands. And they pierced my feet. Men and women, God's word is true. There is no other credible explanation for the fulfillment of the minute details of the prophetic scriptures, especially concerning the person, the work of Jesus Christ. The book that we hold in our hands this evening is supernatural. It is like no other book. It is God's word. It is God-breathed. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. God who cannot lie. And while there are prophecies yet to be fulfilled, these prophecies concerning Christ that have been fulfilled already remind us that we can trust the Holy Scriptures. We can depend upon God's truth. We can believe the gospel. These exceeding great and precious promises of God are absolutely true. And you can rest your soul, your eternity, upon the written word of God, who cannot lie. But when men and devils had done their worst to torture Christ to death, 
The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 and the verse 10, it pleased the Lord to bruise him. We saw something of that this morning. Then we heard Christ cry that horrific cry. My God, my God, why, why hast thou forsaken me? We will never understand it. We will never fully take it in. I know we were singing earlier of that glorious day when we shall see the Lamb as he was slain. And I believe what the hymn writer says, John Newton, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we'll have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. We'll never tire, never grow weary of looking upon the Lamb and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and praising him for his glorious grace, amazing grace. But when we've been there 10,000 years, I still do not believe we'll fully understand it, what it meant for him, the Holy One, to bear away our sin. In our guilty room instead, the Lord Jesus Christ, our substitute, our sin bearer, bore the wrath of God, the hell that your sin and my sin deserved. He bore that hell of God's wrath. Upon the cross of Calvary, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was laid upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. There is no scene more horrific than the scene of Jesus Christ, the spectacle of God's Son bearing away our sins in his own body on that tree. And yet even then, as he suffered our hell upon the cross, Jesus Christ was still the mighty to save. In loving kindness, in amazing grace and mercy, Christ saved the soul of this penitent thief hanging by his side. And as we bring this service to a close this evening, I want very simply to consider with you the salvation of this man's soul on the very brink of eternity. Now notice with me first of all here very quickly the condition of this thief upon the cross. He was of course a sinner. A, a sinner deserving of death, a sinner deserving of hell, as indeed we all are tonight. Romans 3 verse 23 leaves us in no doubt declaring for all have sinned. That includes you, that includes me. I know people today do not like to acknowledge they are sinners, and they certainly do not like to acknowledge they are sinners deserving of God's wrath, 
And they certainly do not like to consider themselves worthy of God's hell forever and forever and forever. But that is the gospel, my friend. That is the reality. And that is the truth. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And as Paul goes on to say and to write in Romans 6 verse 23, the wages of sin. There are lots of people today striking to get better wages, to get more money. They say they're working hard and they deserve better. And that may well be the case. But the idea here is this. A wage is something you work hard at. It's something you deserve. And the sin that you have worked hard at all your life deserves the wrath of God and the pains of hell forever and forever and forever. The wages, the just reward for sin, every sin, even the least of our sins, is God's hell for eternity. Death here is not merely spiritual death. Because of sin we are born spiritually dead. Dead in trespasses, dead in sin. If you are to be saved, you need to be born again. You need to be regenerated by the amazing grace of God. Death here is not only physical death. Death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. But death here speaks of the second death, the body and the soul cast into the lake of fire forever and forever and forever. That is what your sin, my sin, all sin, the least of our sins deserves. The wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. Unless Christ in mercy steps into your life, and saves you by his grace. In Luke 23 verse 39. We discover however. Not only was this man a sinner. But he was no ordinary sinner. The Bible here. Describes him as a malefactor. He was a criminal. In the eyes of society. And remember this was. A very immoral, very ungodly, a very wicked society. But nonetheless, when they looked at this man's life, they considered him worthy of death, unworthy of life. That's the kind of sinner this man was. In Matthew 27 verse 38, we are given a little more information. And we're told then we're two thieves. Two thieves crucified with him, one on the right hand and another on the left. Now commentators seem to agree that this thief was not the kind of thief who waits for you to leave your property, to leave your home, and then sneaks in through a window or some other means to simply steal your possessions, your property. It is generally agreed this thief was the kind of man who enters into your home when you're there and he's prepared to kill you, he's prepared to slaughter you, to murder your family. 
and to rob you of your possessions. This man was a hardened criminal. He was a reject of his own wicked society. Even the ungodly could not stomach this kind of character. They wanted rid of him and the likes of him. And they were most happy to put him to death. The thought was the world will be a far better place without him. And there are many people in the world like that today. I'm sure you as well as I know people and we've often thought the same. The world in which we live, our society would be far better without them. And I strongly believe that the Bible still teaches the death penalty. I remember my own minister who went to the prison every Sunday before he even came to preach to me and the congregation. And he told the prisoners there, many of them deserve to die. They should be put to death. The powers ordained by God have a sword given to them. Not to slap criminals on the knuckles and say you've been a bad boy and you need to do better. If our government had done what the Bible teaches us they should have done, there are many who would be dead today. Executed and rightly so. But here was a man like that. Society rejected him. Society wanted him dead. And furthermore, he was a blasphemer. Here he was kneeled to the cross beside Jesus Christ. And he joins the mob and he joins his fellow thief in mocking and sneering, blaspheming the holy name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was about to die. He was on the verge of a lost eternity in hell. Yet he showed no remorse, no regrets. On the brink of eternity. When Jesus Christ in mercy. When Jesus Christ in amazing grace. Plucked him. Plucked him. As a brand from the burning. The flames of hell were already licking around his ankles. 
when Jesus Christ saved him. By God's amazing grace. The vilest sinner who truly believes. That moment from Jesus a pardon receives. I remember my own minister bringing. One of those men who deserved to die for his crimes. To bound Hinch Free Presbyterian Church to give his testimony. He had done something like 30 years in prison. For murder. But God in mercy, God in grace had saved his soul. I remember shaking his hand. The hand of a bloodthirsty murderer. And I could feel the shiver going down my spine and my hair standing on end. but a man saved by God's amazing grace. And I expect to meet him in glory. I don't care what you've done. A thief, a swindler, an adulterer, fornicator, a blasphemer, a mocker of Christ and the gospel, a murderer. There's power in Jesus' blood to make the vilest sinner clean. But having considered his condition, notice in the second place here, this thief's confession. At some point, as he hung upon the cross, a great, a glorious change took place in this man's heart and soul. As the impenitent thief continued with the crowd to mock Christ, we read there in Luke 23, look at verse 40. But the other, answering, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God? All of a sudden, this blasphemer begins to fear God. He doesn't say, are you not afraid to die? He says, have you no fear of God? All of a sudden, his mind is turned to Jehovah. It is turned to God the judge of all the earth, his mind is now focused upon eternity. Man couldn't do anything more to him. His concern is not the cruelty of those Roman soldiers torturing him to death. His mind is now upon God. He's looking beyond death to what lies beyond the grave. And men and women, the God with whom you and I have to do is a God to be feared, not only in this life, but a God to be feared throughout the endless ages of eternity. 
If you dare to live and die in your sin, you will have to deal with this God. Dost thou not fear God? You're about to die. Your soul is about to be ushered into eternity. Dost not thou fear God? Seeing thou art in the same condemnation. And we indeed justly. We deserve to be put to death. We've received justice. Our crimes deserve the death penalty. Here was a man who supported the death penalty. For we receive the due reward of our deeds. We deserve to die and go to hell. That's what he's saying. He's not just talking about physical death. He's talking about the fear of God. He's talking about eternal matters. And he says because of our sins, because of our crimes against society, but because of our sin against God. We are right to fear God and to dread eternity without God in hell. And then he says, but this man, Jesus Christ, but this man hath done nothing amiss. He has done nothing unrighteous. He has sinned neither against God nor against man. And here there was such a change in the life, in the heart, in the mind, in the soul of this thief that he begins now to witness to the truth of Jesus Christ and the gospel. He says Jesus Christ is holy, he is harmless, he is undefiled, he is separate from sinners. Jesus Christ does not deserve to die. He is altogether through and through righteous and holy. The pendant thief not only confessed that he was a sinner, a sinner who deserved not only to be put to death physically, but a sinner who deserved the wrath of an offended God in hell forever, a sinner who rightly feared the wrath of God. You may not be a violent thief. The law may not be searching for you. As far as our society is concerned, you've done nothing worthy of death or imprisonment. But understand as a sinner, without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're under the same condemnation. 
The Lord Jesus Christ tells us, John 3, verse 18, He that believeth not is condemned already. The sword of God's wrath and divine judgment hovers above your head. It's only by the grace of God you're not in hell already. And the only way to escape this condemnation is to flee from the wrath that is to come. And there's only one place to flee to, one person who can save you, and that is Jesus Christ. And like this penitent thief, you must look to Christ tonight to be saved. As the penitent thief confessed, he also called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 42, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. This is a remarkable prayer, a remarkable prayer of faith. The thief could literally see the blood oozing out of the wounds of Jesus Christ. He could see the blood dripping from his thorn-crowned brow and his face, mutilated face. He could see the blood draining from his wounded back, his hands, his feet. He knew that Jesus Christ was going to die. And yet he prays to this dying man. Lord remember me. When thou comest. Oh he knew death would not be the end of Christ. What a tremendous prayer of faith this is. Lord remember me. When thou comest into thy kingdom. He recognizes who Jesus Christ really is. The King of kings, the Lord of lords. And he calls upon Christ as his Lord. He calls upon Christ as his King. To have mercy upon him and to save him. And to remember him in mercy and in grace. When he comes into his glorious kingdom. He knew that Jesus Christ was about to die. That Jesus Christ would soon give up the ghost. But he knew that Jesus Christ would rise from the dead. And that Jesus Christ would reign for eternity. And he calls upon the name of the Lord. Have you ever done that? And mark my words, or, or more correctly, mark very carefully the words of God. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. Have you ever put your trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord? Have nothing to do with this false gospel that says you can come to Jesus Christ and have him as your Savior and live as you like and go to heaven. That's a lie. If you are to be saved tonight, man, woman, young person, you must call upon the name of the Lord. 
You must come to Christ as your Lord, as your King, and yes, as your Savior, but he must be Lord of your life. I wonder, is Jesus Christ your Lord, young man? You think he is your Savior, but I'm asking you tonight, is Jesus Christ Lord and King of your life? Because if Jesus Christ is not your Lord and your King, he's not your Savior. There's only one Redeemer of God's elect. He is the prophet. He speaks the truth of the gospel. Do you believe his word? He is the great high priest. He laid down his life for our sins upon the cross. But he's also our king. And if you do not have Christ as your king, you do not have Christ as your priest, and you do not have Christ as your prophet, you are not redeemed at all. You need to bow at the cross tonight by faith and receive Christ as Lord and King of your life. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Christ is King. Lord of all. Absolute Sovereign. My God and my Savior. Our time is gone, but notice the comfort of the pendant thief. Verse 43, Jesus Christ assured the pendant thief in the face of death with these words of comfort and assurance. And Jesus said unto him, I wonder, is Jesus speaking to you tonight? If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. How often have you hardened your heart? He that hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. Do not harden your heart tonight. Jesus said unto him, Verily, means truly. This is the truth. This man was about to die. He needed to know the truth. You need to know the truth. You're not here tonight to be entertained with lies. God knows there are enough liars standing behind pulpits tonight. I'm not here to pull the wool over your eyes. I'm not here to lie to you. You need to know the truth. The truth about God. The truth about yourself. The truth about heaven. The truth about hell. The truth about your soul. The truth about eternity. Verily, I say, when you come to die, you know the only thing that really matters is what God says. That's all that matters. It won't really matter what the doctor says or the surgeons say. It won't really matter what your family says. What really matters 
when you come to die, what does Jesus Christ have to say about me? Verily I say unto you, today. What a day that'll be, believer. When the Lord says, it may come as a surprise. You may not expect it, no matter how sick you are. But this day is coming, child of God, when the Lord Jesus Christ will say today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. We'll be with the Lord, which is far better. Face to face. We sang it earlier, do you really believe it? Face to face with Christ my Savior. What a day that will be. When my Jesus I will see. But notice the Lord said unto him. To the penitent thief. Didn't say it to the other thief. He also died. But when he died, his soul did not go to be with Christ in heaven. His soul went to Christ rejecter's hell. Where, oh where, will you spend eternity? If you, like this penitent thief, call upon the name of Jesus Christ tonight, confessing your sins, Christ promises for whosoever shall confess his or her sins. He is faithful and just to forgive them their sins and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness to save them with an everlasting salvation. Will you do that tonight? Will you call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? If you do, he will save you. He'll save you with an everlasting salvation. He'll save you by his grace, through his blood forever. And you'll never be in hell. Let's bow together for prayer. We're not going to sing a closing hymn tonight. I know the young people have a meeting afterwards. But some of you are not saved. Maybe you're in the choir. I don't know. Maybe you're in the choir and you're not saved. You've never bowed the knee at the cross. You've never asked Christ to be your Lord and Savior. Then you forget about Bushmills tonight until you get right with God. Maybe there's an older person here. Everybody else thinks you're saved. Your seat is never empty. You sing the hymns well. You carry your Bible. Maybe you read it every day. But you're not ready for death. You're not ready for eternity. 
man, woman, young person, father, mother, son or daughter, brother, sister, be sure this night before you leave God's house you do what this penitent thief did. Call upon the name of the Lord, confessing your sin and asking Christ to save you by his grace. If I can help you, we're here. I'm in no hurry home, no rush away. It'd be a joy for me to wait behind for however long it may take to deal with your soul, to open the scriptures, to point you to Christ. Maybe there's a Sunday school teacher here, an office bearer here. Maybe you could speak to your mother, your father. Be sure tonight to get right with God. Have this matter settled once and for all. Our Father and our God, we thank Thee for the cross. We thank Thee for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank Thee for the power of Jesus' precious blood. We thank Thee for the salvation of this penitent thief. And Lord, we're looking forward to meeting him in glory, a trophy of God's amazing grace. But Lord, we believe there are men, women, young people here tonight, and they're not saved. Lord, save them by that same amazing grace. Wash away their sin by that same precious blood. Lord, have mercy upon them. Save, O God, we pray. Now, Lord, part us in thy fear. With thy mercy abiding upon each and every one who knows and loves the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it in our Savior's name and for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen.